Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Seriously, man, you don't really think we're going to see any Canutes and 41 Rockies jerseys here at Coors Field, do you? I mean, no offense, I know you're a local and all, but that was a long time ago. You never know. I've seen some old guy jerseys around here, haven't you? In fact, I actually heard from a really good source. You mean you saw it on Twitter. Whatever. I heard that Chad Cool's wearing 41 now for the Rockies because he grew up a Milwaukee Brewers fan and he watched me wearing number 41 back in the day. That, you know, that's pretty cool, right? I see what you did there, Mark. Yeah, okay, wait. Look, he's right over there. Let's just go ask him. Well, you know, we probably shouldn't bother him. What do you mean? We're media. That's our job. Follow me. Uh, okay, but, but let me ask him. Hey, Chad, I'm Mark Knudsen. This is Manny Randall. We do a podcast called the Park Adjusted Rockies Podcast. He came up with the name. Congrats on your great start to the season. Are you liking it here? He's got a question for you, Chad. Okay, I heard somewhere that you're wearing number 41 here as a Rocky because, you know, I wore it a while back. A long okay, while back. whatever. I wore 41 in Milwaukee, as I'm sure you know, since I heard you grew up a Brewers fan and all. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, grew up in Delaware. Um, you know, kind of watched the Phillies kind of growing up, but uh, never really heard of you. So when they gave me 41, I don't think it really had some... Uh, significance behind it sorry yeah what's what show am i on it's the park adjusted rockies podcast and now here are your hosts mark knudson and manny randawa Manny, back at course field for another weekend series rockies and the diamondbacks uh, battle for last place as you keep talking about and when when teams are in that circumstance and you're a fan base you got to kind of find some of the reason to come to the ballpark right not just because we like course field and we like to come to games but the rockies did something this week that you know some people might be dismiss it as a publicity thing or whatever, but they bring up Winton Bernard in 11 years in the minor leagues. An outfielder obviously came from Albuquerque. Um, a feel-good story for sure. And I think it's, as, as we've watched it happen over the weekend, it's a better story than we even thought. Absolutely. And uh, make no mistake, this guy earned it. Yep. He earned every bit of it, and he belongs here. And I think that, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a story you don't see often, and it's one that you got to really kind of uh, cherish when you when you see it because it's what really the heart of this game that we love is all about. And, uh, you know, you're going to hear from Winton Bernard and this guy, um, after all that he's gone through, uh, you know, he, he's a special he's a special guy in the sense of what he um, fought through to get here. And it's going to be a treat to listen to him uh, talk. Most of the time it's a good thing. It's audio only. But this time, I wish a smile could come through on yes, audio because absolutely. he smiled the entire time we talked to him. He He's been smiling since he got here. He smiled when he hit first base the other day and knew he was safe. He gave the safe sign as he hit first base. He knew he was safe. It took two minutes, as you pointed out, for the instant replay to confirm that he was safe at first for his first major league hit. He's played this game with a joy, almost a kid-like joy that uh, obviously we've only seen him for a couple of games. We'll see him third game today. But, I mean, it, it's just fun to see somebody with that, bring that attitude. Absolutely, man. I mean... It's a kid's game at heart, right? It's, this is grown men being paid to play a child's game. Got us thinking. Need to find out some, from some other guys what they remember about their major, their major league debut. Now, if you're new, if you're a new guy in a rocket, a lot of young guys on both these teams, it's fresh in your mind. But somebody like Bud Black or Stu Cole, uh, it's been a while. So we had a chance to talk to them about it too. And, and Bud's story in particular is great. Yeah, Buddy's always fantastic. You know that. You've known him for decades so you know that and um you know it, it was nice enough to sit down with you to talk about you know just getting into the details of what it was like to, to come up um and when you when you talk to guys who it's for for whom it's been a long time especially buddy because he's watching Winton bernard do this mm-hmm, right. and buddy is the one part of the the, the discovery of yes, when bernard was. was 
Buddy Black. He, he he saw him and he he urged the Rockies well, to Buddy take a chance. Buddy was manager on him. in San Diego when when or, uh, he got drafted by the Padres. That, that, or so, drafted by the Padres. Uh, exactly. They knew each other from back then, so exactly. it, obviously it's got to feel good for him. But the special part, as we pointed out, isn't that this guy's making his big league debut. It's the fact that he's making his big league debut more than a decade after he signed his first contract. Most people would not stick it out and, that long. And he has a personal story of yeah. of you know adversity that he had to go through the fa- his father's death and all of the things that went into that and um, all the the, the the love that he and his father shared of the game through basically through him playing it yep. um, is what is what's another special aspect yep. to it really is uh, people don't understand the grind of the minor leagues we've talked about it some from time to time but you know it's not a glamorous life it, you're and in his case he played in foreign countries he played in independent ball uh, bounce around the minor leagues. You're riding buses at all hours of the night. You're eating crappy food. You're getting very little meal money. You're getting paid poorly. It's not a glamorous lifestyle. It's something everybody wants to try, but no one wants to stick it out for a decade. The yeah. guy sticks it out for a decade, and then he gets his just reward. Absolutely, and and it's your life. I mean, yeah. this is his. This was his entire twenties. You know, it's a decade yeah. of his life, and so you you really have to be determined to make make something happen if you're going to go ahead and dedicate the decade a decade to your life to play. He's not going to be the reason the Rockies overtake the Diamondbacks and don't finish last. But he could establish himself as somebody the Rockies can count. They need a, a true center fielder. I mean, Daz is a good outfielder. We know that. But they need somebody. If he could hit 17 home runs in Albuquerque, if he can show some power, if he can do some things, he might be here for a while. Honestly, you know, there, there's some power and some speed in there. And, and I think that um, the hope is that he can develop into something like that for the Rockies. Because honestly, with this club, it's usually that's how they find their guys is where an unexpected surprise. Yeah, nobody else was looking there, and they found him. And you're right, C.J. Crone fits that mold as well. If he can come up being a contributor, it's a great story. He's got it brings a great attitude. He could be as much as possible for one player to be a difference maker here. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, again, it's also a guy that, you know, everyone's going to root for, you know, based on his we story. We saw that on the fir- his first at-bat. He yeah. struck out, but he got a, almost a – didn't stand, but he got a huge yeah, ovation. Yeah, and I, and I think the D-backs, you know, they understand the same thing. Tori Lovello talked about it before the game because it, everyone was aware of it. And, uh, you know, he, um, he said, we're going to do our job. We're going to try to get him out. But you know what? It's a great story. It's a great story. All right, we look forward to telling it. We got Bud Black, Stu Cole, and Corey Sullivan will bat leadoff for us today, talking about his major league debut, which was on TV, and everybody, he gets to see it all the time, so it's kind of cheating, but nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, tell great, us how you really feel, Mark. It's a great story, nonetheless. All right, we'll be back right after this. Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, stay with us. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Corey Sullivan, 18T Sportsnet, also a former Rockies, everyone knows. Tell me about your major league game. What do you remember about your major league game? Not, not the lead up to it necessarily, but the game itself. Um, well, I was opening day. 2005. Uh, I can remember pretty much everything about it. I started on the bench and came in on a double switch at the end of the bottom of the eighth for Matt Holiday in left field. And I was due up fourth, so somebody was going to have to get a hit. We were down by two. It was 10 to eight at that point. Uh, Jeff Baker was hitting in front of me. The first two guys got out. Baker hit a double. Um, facing Trevor Hoffman in my major league debut. Uh, first pitch was Fortunately, a ball about a foot outside. Second pitch was a changeup down. He bounced it. Uh, third pitch was a fastball about eight inches outside, called for strike one. I remember stepping out and kind of giggling to myself, going, huh, welcome to the big leagues, rookie. Uh, so we're in a 2-1 count. 
two outs, bottom of the ninth, down by two. It's kind of that dream scenario. I get a fastball on the outer half of the plate. I hit it as hard as I could down the left field line. Adam Heisdu was in left field. Fortunately, it was out of his reach. He dove, missed it, bounced off the wall. Uh, Baker ends up scoring. It's 10-9. I get to second base. Two pitches later, Aaron Miles hits a line drive back up the middle for a single. I tie the game, and one pitch later, Clint Barmas walks him off. See, I think this awesome. is cheating because he can. He has video of this. He can go back and relive <laughs> okay. this and right, watch the video. So I think he knows the details a little better. We all do because we remember it, but you know the details a little I was, better. I was going to say, though, I was going to say there's some people that remember every detail, and there's some people who remember, like, they just black out. Yeah. They just blank, like, there's nothing. I remember Dante Bichette saying, he's like, when I was out there in the outfield, I, he was a defensive replacement, so he got in there in outfield. It was in Kansas City. Ironically, his son also made his debut in Kansas City, but he was not out as there. Not a defensive replacement, though. Not as a defensive replacement. But he yeah, was out. Dante being a defensive replacement is kind of hard to swallow anyway. But. Well, he had his ACL, yeah, man. Yeah, but but he, um, so he's out there, and he said, I could not feel my body from the neck down. And I don't know what happened. You know, it just, I just kind of, I did, everything just kind of happened. It was a blur. So that's, I, I, I'm sure you've watched it again, but at the same time, it's like maybe you just have a. Well, no, so I, ca- I can remember how dry my mouth was when I hit, when I stepped out. I can remember when I got to second base, I couldn't have spit if you had paid me a million dollars because I had no saliva. My whole family was sitting, I think it's like section 145, and my little league coach was there. And I can remember when I got to second, I glanced up and they were all going berserk. So it was a pretty special moment, not just for me, but for for my family and obviously with my little league coach there, it, it was all the people that had kind of helped me get there. Tell me about being on deck. Uh, on deck was pretty exciting, not knowing if I was going to get to actually get my first major league at bat with uh, two outs and bake show up. But it was one of those things where you're sitting there, and I remember thinking to myself, I've probably played this out in my head a million times, and it's not anything like I thought it would be because I'm, it's not scared, it's not nervous, it's kind of a combination of both, but it's like a realization of holy hell, I made it to the major leagues. And I remember my heart was going probably 150, 160 miles per hour. I mean, you know, and trying to slow that down to be able to actually accomplish having a good at bat, right, uh, was, was my main focus. And I think I really, I benefited from the fact of all of 2004, I was with the major league club because I had had Tommy John surgery, but I didn't obviously get in at bat or anything like that. So being around the guys helped me be more comfortable in the situation than I think being called up from AAA and being thrown into the environment. But you still felt you still felt empathy. For, I mean, you felt empathy for what Bernard was going through. This oh God, yeah. I mean, honestly, I said this on the pregame show. I don't know if I would have been able to grind through eleven years of minor league baseball. I, you never know because I didn't have that reality. But what he has persevered over, and uh, I think the unwavering belief in himself to get to the major leagues is a characteristic that will only help him be successful here. And to have the wherewithal to, to be able to battle through 11 years, there's nothing that he's going to face here that's going to be anything like that. How big is it to get the first hit out of the way? Bernard got it. It took, you know, we just talked, talked with him about it, and it took a couple extra minutes. Ironically, he had to wait two more minutes for that hit. But uh, what's, what's, two more, yeah, what's two more minutes after, you know, 11 years? But um, how big is it to get over that? you know, milestone of your first hit rather than maybe go 0 for 7, even if you're hitting the ball hard? So every major leaguer that would be in that environment will give you the same political answer of it's just great to be in the major leagues and and to have the opportunity. Truth is, it's a weight. It is an absolute weight of 
you know, each at bat not getting the hit, you're thinking, will I get the hit? Will I get sent down? Do I belong here? Am I good enough? Because it's a whole nother step. I know we say level, but it's a whole nother step of actually being in the major leagues and being able to stay there and think I'm good enough. And until you get that hit, there's that little piece in the back of your mind of maybe I'm not. And I was fortunate my first at bat. I was. It's Trevor Hoffman. I could have gotten three change-ups and gone right back to the dugout. There aren't a lot of people. There aren't a lot of people that can say they got their first major league hit off of Trevor Hoffman. So that's pretty. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty nice. Hall of Famer, one of the toughest guys you'll ever face. Um, obviously, in in Rockies history, he's a he's a big part of that yeah. lore. Yes. But um, that's pretty cool. You know, I'm thinking too. You play. You didn't get to play a field first. Sometimes being no, I out did. There. I went out. Oh, double, that's right. I you did. The top nine. Um, yeah. Did that help you? Because I think being able to contribute on defense, even if you don't hit the ball, if you make a play in the outfield, that's got to take some pressure off. Well, I think for myself, having always considered myself not a defense first, but I care so much about defense that it helped ease everything. It helped slow everything down. Uh, I've only been nervous twice in my life on a major league baseball field, and both of them involved defense. It was that first inning going out on D, and I wouldn't say I was nervous. It's more like just a nervous excited I always like to use the comparison of what Owen Wilson says in Armageddon when he gets into the strapped into the rocket oh, yeah. he's like it's, it's 98% excited 2% scared or maybe it's 98% scared 2% exciting but that's what makes it so exhilarating right uh, and then the other one was the World Series going out on defense in game three of the World Series where you really realize you're on the spotlight and if you make a mistake there's no grain of gra- or blade of grass to hide behind as a pitcher I, I waited three days to make my start. I didn't get a chance to play defense first. I go out there and I throw the first pitch, and I, I remember vividly. Same thing, no saliva. Yeah. I spit all the time. Yeah. And I couldn't spit. Nope. I, I was just, and the, the, the idea of do I belong or not is, you know, you're trying to decide that. You're trying to let the batter help you decide if you belong or not, and it's uh, something. That's really, it's really hard to put that into words. It, it, it is, especially when you don't have saliva to, yeah. to yeah. actually wet your mouth. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things where I think all of us have been in a moment, whether it's a car accident, which I don't mean it in that way, right. but where your adrenaline gets flowing so much that it takes all of the saliva out of your mouth and you're, you're trying to catch up, whether it's with words or action and all of that. And it's, it's an incredible moment. I'm glad Wynton Bernard got to experience it. I hope he stays here for the rest of his career, honestly, because I think when you go through what he's been through, You've checked off everything you yeah, need you, to check off. And, and truth be told, his I, I want to thank him for making me feel like a little kid again, rooting for someone again, and also just kind of being in that moment of that's what sports are all about. That, yeah. That's why we're all so drawn to them. I, I agree. I agree. It was a special moment, even if he had to wait two extra minutes to get his hit. Then he goes out and steals a base, which yeah. we know is pretty rare around here these days, um, trying to prove that he can do more than just one thing. So it, it's a great story, and it's something when your team's out of contention, you latch on a story like this. We all do. The crowd certainly did. I mean, they gave the guy an ovation before he came up to bat. It, it's just, it was a special moment. Hopefully there's more of those. Yeah, I, I, I hope we get to see his first home run today. I Honestly, when he celebrated after that hit was fine, when he realized it, yeah. they hadn't even said it. He watched yeah, it on the board. He knew he was saved. Yeah. He, 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 that, that is the most kid-like experience you can have on a major league baseball field. And I've always said the guys who play this game like kids, they're the ones who are the most successful. The guys who play it as a business or as a job, you can see them grind. You can see them get angry. But when you see a kid have success like that and enjoy the moment, whew, it gave me chills. I cried probably 15 times out there. That's great. Yeah. So we appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, guys. With Stu Cole here on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. What do you recall about your Major League debut? Not, not I mean, the, the, not the getting called up part. We all have a story about 
emotion, but to the game itself, your major league debut? Uh, they were in Chicago whenever we got called up, and uh, we went to Chicago to play the White Sox. And, uh, you know, I was in the lineup that day, and uh, the game got kind of out of hand. And uh, Al McRae told me to get a bat and told me I was going to pinch hit. And I was, got up there, and I was nervous as hell. Who were you facing? Uh, I can't recall the guy's name. You know, really? Yeah, it, it was late in the ball game, so it must have been one of their rookie pitchers or something like that. But, you know, I took the first strike, then swung at the next two sliders, you know, struck out my first made dig at bat. But the funny part about all of that is, you know, back then we didn't have cell phones, so I couldn't let my parents know that I had just got called up. But they were off work that day, and uh, – they were watching the Chicago game because it's on WGN. There you go. And they sat there and they watched me play, and that's how they knew I got called up because I called. They were shocked because I called them after the game. It was like, why you didn't call us until you got called up? I said, I didn't know until last night because I was in Omaha. And so, uh, you know, it was pretty interesting that they were off that day and they were able to see my first big league at bat. It's a, it's a different set of nerves that you're dealing with from, from your normal pregame preparation, AAA and all that. I mean, I had three days in between they I called before I made my debut so I had time to stew and think about it and get frustrated get nervous right were you really nervous at or did you not have time to think about it uh I was nervous I was nervous because uh like I said we had just flew into town that day and we had a day game so you did really didn't have much time to get prepared and and uh you know get ready to go into the game but you know whenever I went up to pinch it you know I was a little nervous you know been in the big leagues and uh you know facing big league pitching for the first time and, uh, you know, it was a different situation. But the next time I got in that bat, you know, it was a little different. What did you tell Mr. Bernard about this, dealing with that situation? You know, I just, told him, I, I just told him, you know, don't think too much. You know, be yourself, relax, and have fun. You know, and that's the most important thing you can do. You don't have to worry about, you know, trying to go out here and prove something to somebody, prove that you want to be here and prove that you uh, deserve to be here. But, you know, just go out and have fun. Let the game come to you just like you did in AAA. In his case, Playing good defense just as important as what he can give you offensively, I'm assuming. Absolutely. I mean, he, he plays a tremendous outfield uh, from what I hear on the reports. You know, this is my first time really getting a chance to see him play. And, uh, you know, he, he's worked hard. He wants to go out there and be the best that he can be at, at his position. So, you know, I, I've seen him in spring training a couple times. But, uh, you know, for him to get the opportunity to come up and play at the major league level, you know, that's a good feel-good story. What do you, I mean, you, we were all around guys who spent long times in the minor leagues, but it takes a special dedication to stick it out that long before you get to the big leagues. It does. And, uh, you know, not only did he spend time in the minor leagues, you know, he spent time in the independent ball. He spent time over in the other countries and played over there. And for him to be that determined to keep playing and putting forth that effort, I mean, it says something about him, you know, and I've heard the story and, and uh, know what he went through and stuff like that. You know, it just feels good to see somebody get rewarded like him because of how hard he has worked. With Bud Black, what do you recall about your Major League debut? Where do you want me to start? Just where? Not necessarily the, the, the process of being called up, but the actual game, the first time you got in the yeah. game. What do you recall about that? Well, let's start Fenway Park. Okay. How about that? Warming up in the bullpen. Uh, super excited. Saturday afternoon game in September. Uh, warming up in, uh, and you've been there in that well, bullpen, that, which yeah, is that's not a fun place. Uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, 
what I really remember was coming in, and it's a you know it's a long it sort a long of jog. Yeah, it is. And I remember I got to the mound and my knees were shaking. Knees were shaking. Uh, I figured I was going to face one guy. It was left-handed hitter Rick Miller. But my eight warm-up pitches, like I mentioned, my knees were shaking. Uh, anyhow, got to a 3-2 count, and the catcher called for a curveball. And I had, to, I had, to big, I had a big 12-6, big 12-6 curveball, you know, in the low 70s. And I get the call from the catcher. He wants me to throw a 3-2 curveball in my debut. And I'm going, can I land this for a strike? Uh, but sure enough, I did. I, I, it was a good pitch. Uh, and Rick Miller, left-hand hitter, sort of dunked it over the third baseman's head, uh, right on the line, and it sort of it sort of nestled right along that angled wall uh, for a base hit, and I was removed, and that was my debut. That was it. One hitter, uh, middle part of the game, uh, at Fenway Park. Uh, against the Red Sox. Was that your first game? Game? I mean, had you sat through any other? I've sat through uh, uh, three games uh, in Baltimore. Didn't pitch. Uh, Friday night in Fenway. This is another good story. So Friday night in Fenway, we had a tie game into the twenty-first inning. Ooh, late. Wow. Game got called because of curfew. Curfew. Yeah. Curfew. Uh, I think it was twenty. Might have been eighteen. Night. It was. A, it was a long one. Uh, we can do some fact-checking there. But uh, after the game was over, uh, Renee Latchman came up to me and said, Buddy, when the game resumes tomorrow, you're the pitcher. And I said, great. Called my, got back to the hotel, called my parents. I said, Mom and Dad, hey, listen, what, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to resume the game. Fast forward Saturday morning, uh, get to the ballpark. Latch pulls me in and said, hey, buddy, I changed my mind. So, so I, didn't, I didn't pitch the, uh, uh, the resume game. I pitched the game that followed. Yeah, that, that lag time, I, you've been pretty cognizant about trying to eliminate that, right? You get a guy up here, you want to get him in right sure. away. Sure, yeah. For, is that part of the reason? Well, I'm, I'm not sure what Latch was thinking, but, uh, you know, we were in a – that was the strike season of 81, yeah. and we were in a pennant race. And we had, you know, we had expanded rosters, and you know, we had veteran pitchers, and you know, I was there for reinforcement, right? Obviously, uh, but we were, you know, we were in a pennant race, and I don't think they were gonna, you know, put me in a lot of games, but uh, you know, I was there for, you know, to get my feet wet potentially. But uh, so this was the first week of April, uh, first week of September. So I pitched that Saturday, and then I pitched Sunday the next day, and I didn't pitch again the rest of the year. That was it. I had two appearances. But the Sunday afternoon game, you can pre- appreciate this. I faced Carl Yastrzemski. Wow. I faced Yaz on Sunday afternoon in Fenway. And I got, uh, I faced Yaz and I walked him on a 3-2 pitch. Curveball. It's fastball. Fastball. Right down the middle. <laughs> Ball four. Yeah. I walked Yaz on strike three. I like to, I like we, to refer to We've all been there. We've been there, right? I mean, here's a, here's a pitcher with six days in the big leagues facing Carl Yastrzemski. Oh, he's not. I'm not going to punch him. So that's my story. With, with Bernard, um, you, obviously you, ha- you had a need in center field sure. to get him in there. Yeah. Would you have, under any circumstances, have you done this before, try to get him in there anyway to, get to eliminate that waiting period that makes well, him so nervous? Well, you know, it just made sense for us to put him in there as soon as he got here. There's been other players that have gone over and we've – you know, we've delayed it a little bit just so they get their feet on their ground, get comfortable. But, you know, every case is different. 
we felt that, you know, Winton's been playing so well. Uh, you know, we had the need as a true center fielder. Uh, you know, it, it, it just, and I like the matchup against Davies. Uh, There's a lot of things that lined up for uh, for Winton to make that start on, uh, basically on the day that he flew in. He flew in that day. You, you've been, you played with a lot of guys, career minor leaguers like that. You got to have a lot of respect for a guy that sticks it out for that long of a period of time just to fulfill the dream. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, and I knew when, when he signed, he was a, a Padre when I was managing the Padres. Uh, so we came across each other early on, uh, you know, after he signed. And, and there was a lot of people in San Diego outside of the Padre organization uh, who had known when, who were really pulling for him all the time. So they were always, uh, you know, even when I came here initially, they mentioned his name uh, as a guy. But it wasn't until a couple years ago when I saw him in the offseason of, of 2020 that, uh, you know, it, it, it looked like it made a lot of sense for us to try to sign him and Connor Joe. So, uh, but what a, what a great story of perseverance and, and desire. Thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. We're here with Wynton Bernard on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, marketing to Manny Randau. Wynton, first of all, congratulations on the call-up. I know it's been a long time coming for you. We saw the emotional uh, video FaceTime you did with your mom. Um, I, I lived through that, too. I understand. But tell me what you thought after that, when you went home that night. Because I know I couldn't sleep the night before. I got told at the ballpark. On, on the, I was sitting in the stands doing a radar gun because I was a pitcher. Um some, one of the front office brass for the Astros was there and kind of spilled the beans before the manager could tell me. The manager was unhappy about that. <laughs> Managers love to do that. I know. But so I, I, had, I had that night to think about. Did you sleep the night before? It was so hard to sleep. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about, you know, everything. Just walking up to the stadium, who I was going to face, uh, walking up to the plate for the first time and saying a lot of prayers. Um, obviously contacting my family. Just There's just so much emotion. So it was definitely hard to sleep. I think I only slept a couple hours. I, I totally relate. Yeah. Um, your story is it's 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 a romantic one in a way you know because it's a quintessential you know um just working at it working at it and just believing and believing and believing and it happens um and can you can you tell us a little bit more about what happened with your dad and and how that influenced and 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 how your parents and your what your mom's response to that and how she took care of him and everything really influenced and pushed you to keep going for sure um you know, my parents were just big. They, you know what? It's funny is all my brothers played sports, and they didn't even care what we did. So they would get us in saxophone lessons, piano lessons, uh, tutors, anything we needed. They just said, we want to give the opportunities to our kids that we never had. And for them to say that, I mean, it's just like, you know, who does that? I mean, it's just that's true parents' love. Um, you know, my dad's passing was a huge turn back in my life. Um, completely devastated I was so close to him I mean we spent so much time together he retired when I was her yeah when I was in sixth grade he retired so we did everything together I mean everything and so after him passing and you know I went up to Washington for a college summer team and that was the last time I left him in the hospital and he started crying so I had that connection with baseball like man if, if I wasn't playing baseball then you know I would have been I would have been there when he passed away but um, I know he wanted me to, to play, and that next year I really struggled. My junior year of college, I really struggled, you know, thinking about him all the time. But everything came out for a circle. I talked to my family about it, and they're like, this is what he wanted you to do. And to think that I made it all the way to the major leagues, and, I mean, he would just be absolutely 
Oh my gosh, it gives me chills just thinking about it right now. He would he would be so so happy, and I know he's watching. Um, how, is your love of baseball from your dad, or is it, how did how did you get into baseball as a kid? I started at eight years old and uh, just playing little league. And honestly, I probably was one of the worst ones in the league. I, you know, I was always batting ninth. You know, those are the ones that make the majors. <laughs> Crazy, right? And my dad, he didn't know anything about baseball. Um, so he's like, I'm just going to take you to the batting cages every day. We're going to go after school for 15 minutes. It was called the early bird special. It was like $8 at the batting cage. And he took me every day. And two years later, I led the Little League in hitting, and I made the all-star team. And just from hard work, like, it all paid off. My dad didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know how to coach me or anything. He just said, let's just go go work hard. And so I learned that from him. You um, obviously... During these, during that trials of minor league ball, independent ball, foreign country, there's gonna be times where you doubt yourself. There's gonna be times you say, "I've had enough of this." We were talking earlier about Vinny Castilla, and I don't know if he's told you the story, but his dad talked him out of quitting. Did you have that circumstance arise? You know, I never did. I, I tell people all the time, I, I just try like to be positive. Did you feel like giving? Up? I never felt like giving up. I never felt like giving up, um, and I hope that's a true testament, just to like the people that I look up to and I'm inspired by. There's so many great people I've had in my life that have told me never give up. And all the books I read, I think about Kobe, I think about Jordan, you know, I think about these guys and what would they have done? They wouldn't They wouldn't have given up. Everybody faces trials and tribulations in their life, but the key is to not give up. You know, they, they say that it's, it's not as, and I believe this wholeheartedly, having lived through it, it's easier to get here than it is to stay here. Uh, do you feel that pressure now? You're in the lab, I mean, they, no lag time. You're here that first day, you're in the lab that first day. There's no lag time. How much pressure are you feeling to perform? You know what? I'm not feeling it. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm one of my closest mentors and my hitting coach back home, Phil Plantier. He told me, just be you. So that first game I came out, I was like, all right, just be me. It's the same game I've been living since I was younger. And just let whatever happens, happens. And that's kind of how I've treated throughout my whole career because you just never know what's going to happen. So I would just try to give it my all. And if I can live with myself at the end of the day doing that, then I think I'll be in a good spot. Bud told me that his major league debut in Fenway Park, his knees were shaking. <laughs> How did you feel going to play for the first time? I felt super confident. Yeah. Um, guys would tell me, you know, your legs might shake or, you know, you won't feel anything. But I felt like I belonged. Like when I was in the box, I was ready. I felt cool, calm, and relaxed. Um, I didn't get the same swings off I wanted to. So maybe that had to do a little bit with nerves. Um, but I didn't feel them. I just I felt comfortable. What do you attribute? What do you attribute that to? Um, is it just the, the adversity that, that you've been dreaming about this so long that you know what, this is all gravy, you know, this is all good? Yeah, I think that's what it is, man. All the adversity, it's like, I made it this far, you know, let's just keep, keep it pushing. Um, playing all over the world, different cities. They told me it's just a bigger stadium and with more people. So it's the same game. You know, I played in front of fans in Mexico that had 20,000, uh, super, super loud. But coming here to, to cores, I mean, there's so many people, but at the same time, it's, 60 feet, 6 inches. But but you had to feel something a little special with the ovation you got when you came to the plate oh for the first time. Oh, my gosh. that the, the best moment of baseball. Walking up to the plate for the first time and hearing everybody clapping for me, that chills right now. Like, yeah, honestly, oh, my gosh. This is a, this is a football town, and, and for the Broncos, the Broncos were playing that night, right? No, they played last night. They played last night, or there was, pra- or there was a practice or something yeah. was going on, and the crowd was pretty thin early. Um, but then I remember one of our colleagues, Thomas Hardy, sitting in front, and he's like, where did all these people come from? And I got to believe a lot of that was for you. Like, a lot of people wanted to be here to see that, you know, because it was it was a lot thinner at the at the start of the game. You know? Wow. That means a lot to me, man. I mean, like, even when I got out, everybody was clapping for me. I mean, that's just it's just amazing. Like, like I said, I, I've been inspired by so many, and I hope I can inspire others, too. And I just want to keep keep going. 
I want to know, um, there's, a, there's an old picture of you when you were a kid, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years old. Or, you got a Rockies Tasmanian Devil shirt on. Where, were you, wh- who, who's your team, and how did you get a Rockies shirt back then? <laughs> well, I mean, just when I was a kid, I just loved baseball. I remember playing the Game Boy Color, the King Griffey Slugfest. That was my go-to. I used to always play that all the time. Um, we, tri- we took a trip out to Denver. You know, my family loved to travel. And so we picked up that Rockies. Yeah. Okay. We didn't come to Coors, but we went to, I don't know if there's an Air Force base. We, we came here for, for something. Uh, I think we went to Colorado Springs. Um, and so, yeah, then I got, I got the shirt there. So. We got brothers in Air Force grads. We played baseball here. Are you serious? That's yeah. awesome. We've got some uh, questions from listeners um, because we told them that you were, you were going to be on it. Uh, what, the first one is, what is your message to MLB Dreamers? Maybe a kid at a D2 school or JUCO. What's a mental mindset to last 10 years in the minor leagues? Be relentless. Be relentless. Hard work, dedication, prayers and belief. You can do anything. It doesn't matter where you come from, what school. You can do it. You just have to keep working hard and, you know, believing. Um, came from a small D1 in, in the Northeast, Niagara University. Went to junior college for a year. I went back to Niagara. Nobody's even heard of Niagara University. Actually, that's the next question. <laughs> so, yeah. The next, the, next que- the next question is from Carmriel. How, how did a San Diego kid like me, or how did a San Diego kid wind up at my alma mater, <laughs> Niagara University? So somebody's heard of it. Right, <laughs> somebody's heard of it, yeah. So um, crazy story was, you know, I wasn't really getting recruited out of high school. Um, or no offers, you know, guys were looking at me, but no, no division one offers. And so I went to a Clemson camp and the Duquesne coach at, or the Duquesne coach saw me, he was an assistant. He wanted me to go to Duquesne. The head coach said no. So he said, I'm gonna call every coach I can for you. And so he called the Niagara coach and the Niagara coach said, we got to take this kid. He hadn't even seen me play. He's like, we just got to take this kid based on other people's recommendations. And so he hadn't that was just based on uh, what other people saw in you yeah well how would you um just for people who don't know how would you describe your game i mean because we saw you, you showed off the speed with stole stolen first stolen base yeah, they, they and steal, this team doesn't steal a lot of bases <laughs> yeah you have like one third of the no yeah. <laughs> so so like and and obviously beating out the play at first base which and you knew you were safe all right away i mean i decided to throw your hands out you knew you were safe yeah absolutely i think i was safe which ironically um you had to wait. We had to wait another two minutes yeah. for your first MLB hit, right? Yeah, and it wasn't close. It wasn't. So it was, it was well, close. no. In real time, we could tell from up there you were yeah. safe. But um, so, how would you describe your your, your all around game? The goal is to do it all. Uh, you know, when I, I I try to strive to be the, like one of the greats, right? You think about Bonds. You know, you think about you think about Griffey. You, you like, remind me of that with your hat. <laughs> Thank you. You're wearing your hat backwards right now. Right. Yeah. I uh, I aspire to be just like the greats they could do it all and so you know i think early on my game was just about speed but it plays a big part of this field um obviously in the gaps but now i've added so much to my game over the past couple years especially this year like i've hit the most home runs i've ever hit in my whole life um 17 to date and so i have power now too so i feel like i could truly do it all how did how did the power develop like what what took you to that next level i made a swing change in this off season and so uh, going down to mexico really helps um, I was able to stay through some balls and especially drive the ball the other way. Like, I like looking at Miguel Cabrera, J.D. Martinez, um, some of those guys who can really drive the ball the other way with power and just studying film and studying and studying, just being relentless. We got um, one more here, and it says, uh, what are your impressions? You just mentioned the, uh, the outfield, but what are your impressions of the outfield, of course? That's going to be my next question. And what's, and what's kind of your strategy of playing defense there? Because it has, it has baffled a lot of people. You know what? 
I love playing in big outfields because I love you going to get the ball. Never seen one this big before, though. No, never seen no one way. this big. No never way. seen one this you big. You can put Fenway Park inside. <laughs> <the balls. laughs> I know. Um, I was working with Giddy yesterday, just working on balls in the gap um, and off the wall. I know it's a huge, huge park, and it's it's going to be a different type of uh, type of game, especially with runners at second base. It's going to be a little bit tougher to throw them out, but I'm ready for it. I'm you ready. Play shallow or play deep because some guys can't figure out which way to go uh, my, my preference is to play shallow because i like going back on balls but the ball flies here too so as a um, pitcher i would like you to play shallow take away those little the little bleeders yeah, yeah. but wherever they want me i'm playing well thank you very much for sitting down with us because this is a, a true pleasure to to, to to talk with you after you know learning your story after uh watching you come up and watch you uh do uh, what you've done already you're in the lineup today again so we're happy to watch you go back out there so thanks for being with us Thanks for letting me do it, guys. Yeah, I'm truly blessed. Thanks, Wynn. I appreciate it. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall, Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. Winton Bernard's story is what baseball is all about. An MLB debut is a monumental occasion for anyone, but it's exponentially more so when you've been working to get to that moment for 11 years. Bernard's emotional week has served to inspire many people not only in Denver or in Colorado or even in the Rocky Mountain region. His story has gone viral and is reaching the ends of the sports world. People everywhere are seeing what the power of perseverance can accomplish. And with Bernard's personality and sincerity, you can't not root for this guy to do well at the big league level. After we finished recording our segment with him for this edition of the podcast, Winton asked Mark and me for our names again as he's just getting to know the local media and, really, anyone and everyone around the ballpark. After Mark gave him his name, I just said Manny, since I know my last name can be hard to pronounce and therefore hard to remember. But that wasn't enough for Winton. He immediately asked, what's your last name? And then he looked off into the distance for a split second and nodded, as if to indicate that he was committing that to memory. This guy's the real deal. Yes, he hit 17 home runs and stole 26 bases in 87 games for AAA Albuquerque this season, but he's the real deal off the field as well. So here's to you, Winton Bernard. Your major league arrival has inspired countless people all over the world of sports. Here's hoping it's just the beginning of a long and prosperous big league career. That'll close out this episode of the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Our thanks to Corey Sullivan of AT&T Sportsnet, Rockies third base coach Stu Cole, manager Bud Black, and the man of the hour, the newest Rocky, Winton Bernard. It's great to have something positive to talk about. Maybe we can do it again next time. Hope you'll join us then. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.